theyeshiva.net. So, look at the Sichas, Chelek Yud, Parshas Vayishlach, Yutas Kislev, Se'iv Zayin. If you have your, if you don't have your source sheets, please open your source sheets or download them on the yeshiva.net. You can uh, see the icon on the top blue, on the le- bottom left, PDF, the red, and you can download the source sheets. Yesterday, we explored two states of Avaita Hashem, each one very meaningful and very powerful. And each one, there's the step one, and then there's yet a deeper step, step two. Step one is defined by Chazal as Kol Masach Hashem Shamayim. All your activities should be for the sake of heaven. Step two is defined by Apostle and Mishle, Bechol Drachecha Da'ehu. In all your ways, you should know him. And as we said, Da'ehu comes from the word Das, Va'adam Yada Chava, Adam was intimate. He knew Chava means he lushen his kashrus his chabrus, as it says in Tanya Perigimel. Das is connection. It's intimacy. It's bonding. It's integration, synthesis. Adam didn't only know Chava, know intellectually as a cerebral experience. That's not enough to be able to accomplish what the Pasuk continues to discuss. That is that Chava had children. But Yada means they connected. That's what Das is. So, Bechod Rechecha Da'ehu means in all your ways, Da'ehu, you should know him, you should connect to him. You should become one with him. Das, Miloshin Hiskashras, Vadam Yada What are these two states? State number one is, there is something called Masecha. There is something called mundane life. Just like there is holy life. There is the aspects of life that are holy. Taita, mitzvahs. And then there is Masecha. However, an Er an authentic Jew, L'Shem Shemaim. There's purpose in everything. I'm eating, not just because I'm a glutton. I want the energy, so I should be able to serve Hashem. I'm going to be my business. Yes, I need to make money. Hopefully I can generate a nice revenue. So, I can feed Jewish children. I can give tzedakah. I can help out other people. If I make more money, I can help out more people. I can give more tzedakah. And the same is true with everything else in life, that there is purpose in it, there is meaning in it. That's called Masech HaLashem Shamayim. Bechod is yet something deeper. There's no division. There's no dichotomy. It's not only I do it, but the purpose ultimately is Avaydas Hashem. Bechod I connect to Hashem in the Drachim themselves. For example, when we eat on Shabbos, the eating is a mitzvah. Not doesn't have a later purpose of a mitzvah, or you eat karbonis in the time of the Beis Hamikdash, or a Sudas mitzvah. The, the Mazricha Magid once said, "We're talking here about the Torah, the last, the, one of the last Torahs of the Magid." The Mazricha Magid once said, "We say every morning in davening before Kriya Shema, 'Hameir la'aretz v'ladarim Allah berachim uvetuvah mechadish b'chol yam tamed maseh bereishis.' Very beautiful, powerful words. Marabu masecha Hashem kulam b'chach masisa." How did, how did you translate that today when you davened the Bavram? When you said, how did you translate it? So, I assume in the English Sidurim, I could look, but I assume the translation would be something of this nature. The whole earth, or the whole world, the whole earth is filled with your acquisitions, meaning it's all yours. It's, you'll say, you see everything on this block? It belongs to him. <laughs> Everything, it's his kinyan. Kinyanecha is what you were kind of, what you acquired. In other words, it's your world. Like we say, Lashem, it's your world. You created it, you own it, you direct it, you know this. 
but you re- realize that the language is a little strange. Like Malaha Aris, the world is filled with Kinya Necha, with your Kinya, and that means with that which you acquired. So the Magad of Mizrich, of Doivber, whose yard set is tonight, Yutes Kislev, said, there's a deeper meaning. Malaha Aris, Kinya Necha, say in Yiddish, the ganze Welt is ungefilled, mitzachen durch welche mekendir koinezain. The, the earth is filled with kinyanecha, with ways to which to acquire you. In other words, one can think that I could really connect Hashem through Torah, through tefillah, through doing a mitzvah, because Torah is chachmas eshelakadosh baruch It's Hashem's wisdom, and mitzvahs are His will. And that's of course true. There's no dveikus, there's no connection of Torah and mitzvahs. But to say that becholdrachecha, I'm now involved in my business, or I'm traveling, or I'm hiking, or I'm exercising, or I'm sleeping, or I'm eating, or I'm drinking, or I'm taking care of other physical needs. You have to do it. You're a mensch. So you could say, So we say, furthermore, it's much deeper, there's no split. In the world of Einaid Mulvade, in a world of complete oneness, everything is an expression of infinity. Everything is an expression of dveikus. Da'ehu, I could have the das, the connection to the Rebbeinu Shalalam, the same intimate dveikus through all aspects of life, through all aspects of existence. Of course, those that are halachically permissible. Hashem wants me to do them, not if it's forbidden. The whole world is filled with ways to acquire you. In other words, I can acquire Hashem in everything and through everything. Gazing at a leaf or at a squirrel. Walking, walking through a path. Gazing, contemplating a mountain. Looking at a, at a cell in my body. Focusing on a coffee bean, on the miracle of a coffee bean, or an apple or a peach. The whole world is an expression of divinity. The whole world. You have to know how to see him, how to know him. That's why the Apostle says in Mishlai, Peri Gimel, As explained yesterday more at length. And thus, these two experiences stem from two different states of consciousness. The first state of consciousness is that the neshama rules the body. The neshama rules the guf. The guf is subservient to the neshama. The guf, the body, the physical, recognizes the superiority of the soul for various reasons. And of course the main reason is because it's a chelik eleka, because we're talking about the ratzen Hashem. So the guf surrenders you know that book, The Surrendered Wife? So this book would be The Surrendered Body, <laughs> which is no small thing, no small deal. In the second state of consciousness, there's no dichotomy. There's no surrendered body. There is oneness. The body and the neshama are both aspects of Hashem. The body is a conduit, a facilitator for the, for the alakus, for the godliness in a person to be able to be concretized and manifested and actualized and revealed in the physical world. How can I give tzedakah if I don't have hands? And how can I light Shabbos candles if I don't have a candle and a wick and I don't take my finger at my hand and strike the match? And I don't take my mouth to make a bracha. That's what it says in Pirkei Rebbe Eliezer. Yitzchak sowed grain. Yitzchak didn't sow grain. Chas v'shalom. Yitzchak sowed stucca. But how do you give stucca if you don't have grain? How do you give meiser if you don't have grain? You need the wheat. You need the barley. You need the spelt. You need the oats. You need the raw. You need the dagon. Or whatever else you give you meiser from. Whether it's money or it's fruits or it's vegetables or anything else you're tithing. It wasn't zara dagon. It was zara tzedakah. 
For him, the whole Teichem, when he saw the Dagon, he didn't see Dagon. He saw an opportunity for Tzedakah. Very different. He didn't see grain. He saw the will of Hashem being manifested. When he saw the grain, what did he see? He saw, ah, this is an opportunity to reveal Achtus Hashem. This is an opportunity to help people. It's an opportunity to give Tzedakah. When this person sees their goof, they don't see just physical matter. And they decide, instead of allowing the physical matter to be a contradiction to the divine will, I am going to commit it to the divine will. I'm going to surrender it. There's no dichotomy. When I see my goof, I see a base amigdash. It's a place where v'shachanti b'seichem, God says, truth can dwell, infinity can dwell. That's what the goof is. And every aspect of the body is, is just another aspect of this. So I don't see goof. What do I see? I see neshama through goof. It's a beautiful mice about the kajnitz amagid. I think I shared it with you once. The Holy Kajnitz Amagad, Rabbi Yisrael of Kajnitz, the Avaitis Yisrael, before he passed away, he told his son that I do not, I do not have a goof anymore, he said. It's just a neshama. So his son was an innocent man. He took his father's hand like this, he touched it. And he said in Yiddish, in a Polish Yiddish, in a Kajnitz Yiddish, he said, Tate, ich feel gif. In the Polish you don't say goof, not like the not like the Russian the Russian literature you say goof. By the Polish you say gif, gif, the gif, the body. So he says, Tata, my father, I feel the body. I feel you. I say you don't have a body. I feel your gif. So his son, his father said, "This is the mice they say." His father said, "The tops mid gif fills the gif. You're touching me with your body, so you feel your body." In other words, the instruments you use to ascertain reality will define the reality that you discover. You're touching me with a particular instrument. So that's as much as reality that you can discover. Just like my eyes can't capture certain frequencies of light. So they don't exist. Not because they don't exist. Because I don't have the vessels to discover them. They exist. My ears cannot capture certain sounds. They exist, but I don't have the vessels, the kalim, to access them. I don't have the antennas to them. They don't exist. Where were the radio waves, sound waves, for thousands, thousands of years until they developed the instruments to be able to pick up sound waves? And you could sit in your car or sit in your house and listen to somebody speaking in Australia. What happened for thousands of years? Our sound, our, our, our voices didn't create sound frequencies and travel through there. Of course they did, but we didn't have the instruments to be typhused. This is such an important approach when trying to understand the deeper elements of life. Exists, it exists, but my perception of it defines if it's a reality in my life or it's not a reality in my life. Most things our brain doesn't acknowledge as reality, so it's not a reality. Suddenly, your brain opens up or somebody opens it up to a deeper layer. Of course, it was always there. And that's, that's, that's a blessing when I can allow myself that type of growth. So he tells his son, what are the instruments you're using to define if I have a body or not? The gift, the top smith gift fills the gift. What do you want the gift should fill? So what, what, the idea here is, of course there's a physical body. But what is the physical body? The physical body is a conduit for the soul, for the Beis And that allows for the second avoid of Bechad Rechach This is a summation of what we learned yesterday. So now let's continue inside Siv Zion. In itself, 
there are generally speaking two states. Now, here we go yet one step deeper. Within Bechodroch Echad itself, which we spoke as a second state or a deeper state of consciousness of Yiddishkeit, one is where there's still a dichotomy between body and soul, between heaven and earth, between the spiritual and the physical, between the transcendent and the concrete, between the inner and the outer, even though there is ultimately commitment and connection. It's not that they are two opposites. We're talking here Yiddishkeit. We're talking about Kol Masachel Hashem Shemaim There are two paths in Judaism. But one, there's still a split. And one, where there's no split, there's no dichotomy. Through all your ways. And in all your ways. In all your ways. In your ways. Not only in the godly ways, holy ways. In your ways. You'll see him. Know him. Connect to him. In this itself, there are now two states. Aleph. and then I'll translate. Shekol inyon of Hagashmen, Ptelim of Yuchadim Kalkachbelakus, at Shekol Mitsiusum Nishab Chalikdusha Venenir Geshes Hagashmes Shabam Kla. For Lodak Biglal Vibuya Erdig Dusha Meirboy, Biyose Kolkula Nosun of Mosul of Hines de Eu, Elamitsadzesha Dover Hagashmi Atzmoi Nia Etzle Kedusha. The first state within Becholder Hechad Eu, there's now two, two states of consciousness. The first state of consciousness is yes. All of a person's actions, all of a person's activities, he or she sees in them that it's an opportunity for Kedusha. It's all, it's all an aspect of Kedusha. It's all an aspect of holiness. Here the holiness is being expressed in one way, and here the holiness is being expressed in another way. But it's all a form of Avaidas Hashem, Nonetheless, the person is still conscious of the physical aspect, so to speak. For example, eating on Shabbos is not just a purposeful, meaningful act so that you should have energy to do good things, to learn Torah, to do mitzvahs. As we said before, Su'udah Shabbos itself is a mitzvah. That itself, the eating itself, not just the purpose of it. I serve Hashem through the eating on Shabbos. But what's the mitzvah? The mitzvah is to enjoy the Shabbos, to have oinig Shabbos. And that is, as Chazal said, yayin yashan, old wine, basar shamin, Good, good, good meat, or whatever the food is that represents Einik Shabbos for the person. So even though the person is, is doing a mitzvah, there's a mitzvah, but, but the physicality of it is felt. The mitzvah is happening through physical food, and one is aware of it and senses it, because that is what makes these things pleasurable. <laughs> there's a deeper state. In the deeper state, there is so much unity, there is such deep unity between the outer and the inner, between the physical and the spiritual. Now, this is deep. That the very reality of the Gashmias is redefined as Ruchnias. There's no sense of anything outside of divine oneness. Not just because there's such an intense sense of inspiration, so you uh, don't focus on the physical. In other words, you're so focused on something, like you don't sense the Gashmias. That's not the Vart. The Vart is, the Gashmias itself is redefined as Kedusha. To give, to give 
Back to, back to my example before with the guf, the guf and the neshama, the tapsmith gif. What is physical matter? What is it? So you'll say, well, uh, this is a mouse. I don't mean a living mouse. I mean a computer mouse. This is a pad, right? This is a cup. There's coffee inside. Hot water with some coffee. This is a safer, etc. This is a mic, a video camera, a zoom, a shmata, a glasses shmata. Talking about glasses shmata. We all know that today, with microscopic instruments, we look at physical matter and we see it's not dead, it's not lifeless. There's a whole inner life going on. There's a whole inner life. The whole world of the atomic world, how many millions, billions, trillions, zillions, sectillion or more atoms in the tiniest drop of water. And in constant motion and movement with incredible speed and synchronization and order where you have the nucleus, the center, and then the electron that revolves around it and all in perfect symmetry. And you're dealing about every single tiniest matter in the world has mind-staggering amount of atoms. And that's just the tiniest matter. And if it's larger, it's more. And then you have all the matter in the world and it's all working perfectly. But I don't see this with my eyes. So I call it dead matter, chaymer. The moment you open your eyes, you have the instruments... It's a living world. And if you can go a step deeper, if you go deeper, there's what's called subatomic particles. And sub-subatomic particles. Today, the world of quantum mechanics, where things are completely in a different fashion. They're also, it's the same matter. But what I'm seeing is something else, and paradoxes exist. The particles are moving clockwise and counterclockwise, and it gets deeper and deeper. And if you have deeper instruments, if you have the spiritual instruments of divinity. What do you see? So we learned yesterday, the Tanya says, the Balatanya says, if our eyes, if our eyes were spiritually microscopic, we would look at everything, we would not see Geshem. What would we see? We would see Dvar Hashem Mamash, it's divine energy. And we know science and physics are going right there. They, they, that's, that's the trajectory. What does this mean? This means, it's not that the Gashmis is fake, it doesn't exist. Of course the world, it means that there is a deeper place where there's absolutely no conflict at all. So in the first state of there is oneness, but I can still feel, I don't feel the tension, but I feel the gashmi. I'm eating Sudha Shabbos, there's a physical, a physical piece of meat. In the deeper state of everything is experienced as divine. There's absolute oneness. Not just because I'm immersed in a higher pursuit, so I don't pay attention to the Gashmis. You know, you have sometimes a person who's more transcendent, more aloof, they don't pay attention to the, to the, to the physical sensation. No. It says, he says, the Gashmi itself is, is Kedusha. That's what I'm sensing. I'm, 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 ich. there's an expression from one of the Rebbe's. He says, me'est matzah, me'est alakus. <laughs> you're eating, you're eating godliness. How do we make this more tangible? This too can be appreciated from the relationship between the body and the electrical currents, the animal biological soul that vitalized the body. Just like the first difference between we gave a marshal of the body, that the relationship between the body and the basic biological soul is not one where the body surrenders to the brain, to the mind, to consciousness. There's oneness. It's not like my brain tells my hand, let's go. It's time to lift up your hand. You're teaching, you got to lift up your hand. 
And then they say, well, well, let me think about this. I have other priorities. No, but you know what? I'll surrender to you because Shalom bias or it's because I want Elam Haba because you're the boss because you can punish me. That's not, that's not a healthy body. A healthy body is this synchronization. There's one, there's no split. It's not the brain says one thing, the arm says something else. Now let's go to a mediator and we'll make shalom bias. We'll do some therapy and we'll figure out how we could work together without me feeling that you're a control freak. That's not the point. The point is oneness. This level too will be understood from that, from a muscle of the body and the soul. The hine klal yodua, who is a fascinating idea. There's a known principle, shekshagufa adam hu body, as enu margish is gufa be'ezo regish meyuchut. When a person is healthy, what's the first symptom of health? You don't feel your body. There's nothing outstanding that makes you aware of the existence of your body. The fact that I'm not conscious of my body's existence is a sign of health. And if I'm completely not conscious of it, there's this feeling of lightness, it's a sign of optimal health. When I start feeling my body, whether it's feeling pain, I feel pain in my head, or in my abdomen, or in an arm, or in a leg, or my chest, wherever it is, my eyes, my ears, what does that mean? You're feeling your body, you're feeling. This means I'm not doing well. I have to be checked out. It could be something small. It could be chas v'shalom, something more dramatic. And even if it's not pain, even if I'm just feeling heavy, he says, COVID, lethargic. You know when you're exhausted, when you're drained, you feel your body. You're walking up steps, you're running up steps. You run a block and you feel yourself for the next 20 minutes. That means that I need a little help. My, my, my health has to be upgraded. It's time to speak to my nutritionist, or time to speak to my trainer, or time to speak to the disciplinarian part of my brain. Now what's the reason for this? I would say it should be the other way around. When you're healthy, you should feel your body. <laughs> you feel your hand, feel your head. You start feeling your head. What does that mean? It means I have a headache. And if I'm really feeling my head, I could have a migraine. You start feeling... I, you start feeling your thigh non-stop, yeah? Check out what's happening in the sciatic nerve. Maybe suffering from sciatica, as I'm personally aware of. You know how sometimes you'll have a good workout, and you're in a Baruch Hashem, in a good state of health, and you don't feel your goof. It's like light. It's like almost, it doesn't exist. It doesn't make sense. When it's healthy, you should feel it. You should experience it. When you're sick, you shouldn't experience it. He says, no, it's not the way it works. Why? The reason is, Because the entire vitality and reality of the guf is the life of the soul. The guf on its own is, of course, a corpse. So the whole chius, the vitality, the animation, the life of the body, and the metzius of the body, is from the inner, electrical, spiritual processes that give it life, that, that infuse it with life and, and reality. So when a soul is healthy, what does it mean a soul is healthy? It's one. What does it mean a body is healthy? Sorry, what does it mean a goof is healthy? That it's unified with the soul completely. If it's unified with the soul, you don't feel it. The moment I start feeling my body, it means it's separate. 
It's autonomous. Oy, oy, oy. A goof that's autonomous from the nefesh is not fully healthy. In other words, a healthy body means there's a seamless flow. What's felt is not the goof. The goof is a conduit for the neshama, for the nefesh. The moment I start feeling the goof, I become self-conscious of the body, it means there's a little bit of a rift. There's a little dissonance. There's a gulf. There's a cut. There's a dichotomy. There's a little split. Even just a headache. A cut in the hand. An infection. A scratch, a burn, but there's a, there's a little dissonance in the seamless flow from the life force to the goof, and that's why I become aware of it. This is true in our physical sensations. We all know this. The lightness of being is a sign of health. The same is true in the psychological and emotional and spiritual life of a person, just as it's true with our biological living organism in the relationship between body and soul. And here we're talking about the nefesh achiyunis, the basic soul that gives you functionality and life force, which is called the nefesh achiyunis, or in Tanya, the nefesh abahamis, the animal consciousness shared by all of the zoological species, and even shared to a significant degree by the world of botany, and to a significant degree even inorganic matter, because everything has life inside of it based on its unique chemistry and makeup and how much is manifested on the outside. But this is also true in the relationship between the goof and the nefesh kiss the divine soul. She-Yehudi body, who's a, what's the definition of a healthy Jew? A gesunte Jew. We spoke about a healthy human. Now what's a healthy Jew? What's a healthy Jew? I'm not self-conscious. She-Kol That the person's body and his animal soul and his portion in the world, everybody has a part of the world that they own, so to speak, that they deal with, do not experience themselves as a reality, not because they don't exist, because their whole reality is a conduit for Elikos, for the Nefesh Elikos. We all also know this, I think, psychologically in our lives, right? You know that, that experience of self-consciousness? I'm always experiencing myself in every situation. You guys know what I'm talking about? I come into a shir, I come into a bar mitzvah, I come into a chasen, I come into sheva brachas. Even I come into my own kitchen. I have a conversation with me. I'm always putting myself. You, you, you guys know what I'm talking about. The therapists here know what I'm talking about. The patients know what I'm talking about. Right? I'm always trying to place myself somewhere. Where do I belong? Who am I? Do you like me? Don't you like me? Now, everybody thinks, as the Einzike Meshugana who has this, right? Everybody thinks, Ich bin the Yeah? So I want you to know, this is something that plagues all of humanity. MS? Speak to anybody. Very few people don't understand what I'm talking about. Unless you're completely Meshugan in denial, or you're a complete addict, or you have reached this, this state in the Sikha. <laughs> One of the two. And I'll tell you something even deeper. Most addiction comes from this. If you want to understand the oimek of addiction, it's all this. Spiritual people are bothered by self-consciousness more than everybody else. And they have to escape it. I want to stop feeling myself. I don't want to always feel myself. I don't always want to be judging myself. I don't always want to be looking where I am and where I'm not and who I am. So I'll do anything to get out of that. Just free me up. Get me high. What does high mean? Hi, what does hi mean? Get me out of this experience of self because it's not a healthy place to be. The challenge is, this is what we're all dealing with. We're all dealing with this self-consciousness, taking things personal. This is the ego that comes from real insecurity. So in this state, a person understands when you're healthy, you don't feel your goof. And when you're healthy spiritually, what's a Jewish, what's Jewish health? 
there's no feeling of self, not because the self doesn't exist, because the self is completely one with the source. This is a state of absolute oneness. There's no dichotomy, there's no separation, even in Hergish. Take an example of eating. When this person is eating, they're eating food. But what's the experience of the food? The experience of the food is not that it's food, and it's very physical food, and it can even be... um, uh, de- uh, it can even be defined by density and brute materialism, but I'm doing it for a purpose. Not even the second level, it's Shabbos, it's a mitzvah. The experience in the food is, this is a lakus, I want to bring down, I want to reveal godliness in that which is being eaten. This is a form of divine energy. This is what it is, that's what machel is, what do you think it is? Dissect food, dissect it. Yeah, especially healthy food. <laughs> the more healthy the food is because there's more energy there. It's, it's really divine energy. It's divine energy that Hashem made that can give life to your Beis Amikdash, to your Guf, so that you could reveal Einoid Movadi in the world. So that's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm, I'm bringing a lakus. I'm, I'm revealing godliness in this thing that's eaten, even though it's a lakus on its own, but the person is the one who reveals it through his own relationship in Dvekus. And through that, in the world. And since, how do you bring Elokos into this food? How do you reveal it? And through this food, into your body and into the world around you, it's through a bracha. You say, Baruch Atah Hashem Elokeinu, Melech HaOilam. Why are you talking about Melech HaOilam? What's the Melech HaOilam? Why are we talking about God being the king of the world? I'm drinking a cup of coffee. Because you're not drinking a cup of coffee. You're revealing Melech You're not drinking a cup of coffee. You're being Magala, the Malchus of the Oilam. You're bringing a Lekus into the world. That's what it is. Everything a Jew touches, including food, is an opportunity to be Megala Lekus in the food. Because the food is really divine energy, but I have to bring it out because the world on its own is concealed. And you do this through the blessing. So what's his hergish? When you're fully, fully in touch with this, what's your hergish? Your hergish is, what am I doing? I'm being megala, that alakus is malachalam. That's the feeling of the reality. The same is true with business, everything else. Even though he's involved in business, like the good Tagarim, Tagarim are the merchants, but his whole relationship to it is da'eyu, is knowing God. The Balatanya had a student, he was one of his greatest chassidim, his name was Rabbi Yamin Kletzke. He was a seicher eitzim, meaning he was a merchant, a very great, a successful lumber merchant. Could be that's why they called him Kletzk. Klotz is, is wood, lumber. But I'm not sure. Rabbi Yamin Kletzke was one of the great chassidim of the Balatanya. He was once going through his checks and balances. He was making a cheshben. Quick books, 
This is QuickBooks of the 1700s or early 1800s. So he was making a cheshbon of the mischer of the of the ganze, the whole schay, the whole venture. So you know you have the revenues, what came in, and you have the expenses, what went out, and what came in. So he's making a cheshbon, and he goes through. You know, you, you do it, I guess, every month or every year. Let's say it was every year. So he goes through everything that came in this month and left this month and came in and left and came in and left. Then he comes to the sachakel, the summation. So you got to the sachakel list. How much money came in? A hundred thousand ruble, a half a million ruble, two million ruble, a hundred and seventy thousand ruble. How much money came in? What did he write? Sachakel, summation, ein eid mulvad. So the Rebbe asked, I heard from the Rebbe, he told the story. He said, I don't understand. If ein eid mulvad, I said, don't make a cheshbon. Don't make a cheshbon, right? Ein eid mulvad. No. There's checks and there's balances and there's income and there's revenues and there's expenses. And he went through everything. He wasn't in heaven, he was on earth. But what's the sachakel? The sachakel is bechad rechechadeh. It's very different. It's not that he was not involved in his business. He was an aloof, absent-minded, uh, uh, holy Jew. Yeah, that's, 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 that's a different avoid. We're not talking about that. It's a person who's higher than the world. A mufshut. That's not this avoid. The avoid is, he wrote, he made it. He wrote, a, he wrote all the cheshbonis. Why? Because you're living in a world where a, a company needs money. But the sachakel of it is bechal drachachadeh. The nekuda hapnim is the emhus of everything is. There's no separateness. There's absolutely no split. And not because again, he doesn't care. He couldn't care less. You know, he doesn't know what he's wearing. He doesn't know if the company has money, lost money, he's bankrupt. He's not bankrupt. Then you're not running a business. <laughs> then you could run a kailo. That was a joke. A kailo should also run uh, well. But you understand what I'm saying. He was running a business. That's why he wrote the numbers. He knew the numbers. This, but what's the sachakel? What's the nekudah? What is it? So it's a chungeher, that all the pratim, what is it? It's an opportunity to be megala achdus Hashem in the world. Yeah, you megala achdus Hashem. So I need money to give tzedakah. I need money to support my family. I need money to be megala. So the business gives me an opportunity to connect to God through this reality. Just like the food is an opportunity to be megala. I can't say Baruch Hashem in the middle of the day. It's a Baruch Levatala. Here Avart. I want to be megala lekus in the world. So I say Baruch Hashem That's an Aveda. So you take a cup of coffee. You take a coffee bean. And now you could say Baruch Hashem So what's the coffee bean? The coffee bean or the hot water was an opportunity to be megala melechaylam in the world through the Baruch. Shahakal so it's not that there's a split, or even that there's oneness, but I sense two things, I sense the Gashmi. The Vartair is that the, just like the healthy person, I don't feel my body, why? Because the body is just a complete conduit. The Geshem is a complete conduit. That's even deeper in Bechal Drachach I don't feel even the Geshem of the world. All I experience is Dveikus and Alakus. Now you're all looking and saying, okay, who, who is this Shaykh to? Who is this Shaykh to? So let's see Ches. Ches, he tells a story. Every Indian in Avedis Hashem that Chesidus talks about you should know it's never preaching 
Those who spoke about it always made sure that they knew that you have to live what you speak. So therefore he says, all the Rabbeim, first and foremost, they made a path. They created a path. They tread, they created a, 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 a beaten track, a cut and beaten track. They paved the road for this path. They didn't just say, let's talk about something that's aloof. That's not going to work. They showed how to do it. They lived it so you could learn from it. So he says the same is true with this. There's a story he wants to tell about the Alter Rebbe, the Balatanya. And you see from the story that the way he related to the world, he related to the world. The Alter Rebbe once said that he has a chushin al <laughs> He said about himself that he has a chushin al He related to the world. When he was in Petersburg, Petersburg in prison and they took him out, and he came from a little town, Liyajna, a little shtetl in Belarus. In Petersburg, there were big buildings. I don't know, not skyscrapers, but impressive, impressive uh, infrastructures and, 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 um, and architecture. And he looked up at one of the buildings. He says, Esav genart. Meaning Yaakov and Esav made a split between Elam Haza and Elam Haba. He says, Esav psavelt. He, he, did, he came from Liyajna. He saw, he said, <laughs> So it's not the Vart, he didn't know the world. He knew the world. But the Pshat is, he didn't feel the Metzius of Geshem. His whole Mahus was Nefesh Alekis. So the Geshem also, the Nefesh Bahamas, the Guf, was Nefesh Alekis. What's the story? You type this, what happened? A great prominent guest came to the Balatanya. The story goes that it was Reb Shleimer Kaliner. He doesn't say your name, but the story goes that it was Reb Shleimer Kaliner. Kaliner was a student of Reb Aaron Karliner, Reb Aaron Hagadol of Karlin, the student of the Magid, who was close to the Balatanya, Reb Aaron passed away very young, Chalamayat Pesach, Tafkuf, Lamed, Beis, a year before the Magid. The Magid told him not to leave for Pesach, but not in his, but he, the Magid said they should try to prevent him from leaving on Pesach, from leave, going, going away for Pesach, but they shouldn't do it in his name. L'Poyal, he asked the Magid, and the Magid didn't oppose. He passed away, Chalamayat Pesach, Tafkuf, Lamed, Beis. He had a town, his son, Son was a baby, so he couldn't take over. His Talmud, Reb Shlomo Kaliner, took over, and then he gave it over to his son, Reb Asher Stoliner. And then when Reb Asher passed away, the base Aaron, Reb Aaron, the second Reb Aaron of Karlin, took over. Okay. So, uh, Reb Shalom, I'm teaching you a little Karlin history here. Look how you. Okay. Reb Aaron of Karlin was a fireball, fireball of a... If you go into Karlin, you'll hear the screaming, comes in Reb Aaron. His Talmud was Reb Shlomo. Reb Shlomo was murdered by the Cossacks. Middle of Davani, Reb Shleim of Kalim. He came to visit, that's the story, he came to visit the Balatanya. He was such a prominent Oirach, so the family of the Balatanya decided, everybody wants to, everybody wants to be part of the Suda, of the, of the meal. It's like, you know, when, 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 um, when Yisra came and they made the big Suda and Moshe was serving, and Adam with Yisra, Reb Shleim of Kalim and the Balatanya. So they split up the jobs. They made a checklist, they split up the jobs. Who's gonna cook what? Who's gonna organize what in his honor? One thing they forgot. When they allocated all the jobs, Vegat had leg in the salts. Who's gonna put in the salt? You got you gotta put in the salt. So what happened? They finished cooking and everybody said, you know what? I have a schus. I could put in the salt for this Sudha. It's interesting how people felt. We're talking about the Rebbitson, we're talking about the daughters, we're talking about anybody helping in the house. 
So everybody went and put in salt. Everybody. And nobody told anybody else. So there shouldn't be competition. I put in, you put in, give me something. You know what it is. Everybody put in salt. What happens now? They bring the food. So you have the Balatanya, you have the B'Shlame Kalina, and they bring out the food. The food came. So the Balatanya started to eat, as usual. The Oirach, the guest, the prominent guest, tasted it. He tasted one taste of it. He put it in his mouth. And what did he do? He moved the dish on the side. So the Altarebbe asks him, why aren't you eating? He says, it's too salted. It's, it's too salty. Everybody put in salt. You can understand what it tasted like. How are you eating it? So the Altarebbe told him that when he was still in Mizrich, he worked on himself that he doesn't feel the physical flavor in the food. So therefore, he didn't, uh, he didn't recognize uh, that it was salty. Now, what does this mean? What does this mean? He ate the food. Made a brach on the food. This is the nekuda. The nekuda is that the salt also is also dvar Hashem. It's also divine energy. So usually, even somebody who's eating, and the eating itself is a mitzvah, but the salt is salt. Zalt is zalt. But when your whole mohus is only nefesh elokis, enoid mulvada, so the salt is another way in which elokus is revealed in the world. So if it's taka, objectively something that damages the body, it can damage the body, I mean, uh, you can't eat poison. Right? The problem here was the taste. The taste. But Al-Tanebbe didn't feel the tam ha-maychel, the gashmi of the maychel. What he felt was the kedusha that shines through the maychel, the elokus that shines through the maychel. Now you'll say, this is a very high madrega. Even though it's such a high state, you say it's not shaykh to me, only to the Al-Tarab. He says, that's true. But if the story was told to us, it means that there are moments and there are situations where you can and therefore you should appreciate this and realize that you are shaykh to it. Every person, even a simple person. Now these are very powerful words. Because we can't deceive ourselves. We know. Kol ma'asach l'shem shamayim is already a stretch. Bechol rechech is a bigger stretch. This is even a deeper level, a third level. V'gam mi she'yev shalei l'hagiyah l'adarga kazu shalayargish ha'gashmi is mitzad goy l'yichudei ba'lakus. Afilu b'zmanem mi'yichadim. Harei ha'kolponem yachal l'fil ba'atzmai. She'yeh kol kach mutrid ba'avoyda sada'eyu ad shal yidei ze l'yargish ha'gashmi is. U'kenida b'mucha she'im adam u'v'matzav shal l'srak sh'asatzuma b'yoyset e'nei margish ta'amaychel v'kayitzabazah. Even if a person feels he could never reach this space, that he says such dvekus and elikus, that he doesn't feel the gashmis as separate in any form, he doesn't even feel the gashmis of it because of its unity with godliness. He never. This is not shaykh to me. He says, but you could still be so involved and passionate about the avoda of the ehu, realize how close you are to the rebbeinu shalal, and how holy you are and how one you are. That at least mitzad that you shouldn't be focused on the physicality of it. He says, you see, when people are very, very emotional and they eat, they don't taste the food. Why? 
Not because the food doesn't have a taste, because their mind is somewhere else. You know, when a person is so emotionally intense, you may eat, but it's like you don't feel the food. So he said, at least that shayach to everybody. In other words, that my priorities in life, my focus in life is devakus. My focus in life is truth. My focus in life is elikus. So therefore, the gashmi doesn't take up mental space in me because I don't have space. There's no space in your soul for everything. If you're passionate about one thing, that becomes your passion. So he says, at least that's, that's shayach to everybody. What do we learn from here? What do we learn from here? We learn from here, when we learn about all of these things, this is what, this is, this is how the Balatanya lived. It wasn't just, I'm preaching my modem, Einaid Mulvade, Achtos Hashem. When you, when you, when you, when you look at such a tzaddik, you learn from such a tzaddik, you learn the Torah of such a tzaddik, you see this in reality. And that, that's the, that, why is there a concept of a Rebbe? Why does a person need a Rebbe? I'm talking here about the real authentic Rebbe. I'm talking here like he's describing here the Balatanya. Why do you need it? Learn Torah. The answer is, I could learn and learn and learn and learn. But for it to be real, for it to be real, I need the road paved. To make it real, to see the Hisgalus in the world. That Hashem exists, Hashem exists. Einoid Movada. But how do I live it? How do I breathe it? How do I make it part of my life when I'm not there? And there's so many obstacles and toxicity and challenges and stress. So Hashem plants. Throughout Jewish history, the Gemara says, Hashem plants neshamas that live, they live this. And the Rebbe says it, that whenever the Rabbeim spoke about a certain avoid in chsidus, they always made sure to embody it, to pave the way. What it is, it wasn't speaking, it was living. The words came from life. The life didn't come from the words. When life comes from words, it's superficial. The words came from living. And when you live it, you live it, then other people could, could live it too, can learn from it. That's the most powerful, powerful way of living. Somebody once told me, he said, as a rabbi, you should know that you will only be giving one sermon throughout your entire life. I said, what do you mean? One sermon? I give a lot of sermons. Every Shabbos, I give a different sermon. Middle of the week too. He says, you'll only be giving one sermon your entire life. I said, what's that? He said, it's going to be four words. The way you live. That's going to be the only sermon you give in your life. The way you live. And it's very profound words. I could preach. I can pontificate. I could say drashas. All's good. But the real sermon is who you are, not what you say, the way you live. So he says, every union that Chassidus speaks about, the Rabbeim lived it. Because they lived it, I can, I can glean something from it. I can say, what does this mean in my life? Even though I'm in a different place and I have my own journey and I have my Yetzirah and I have my self-consciousness and I have my ego. First of all, I can understand what the emes is. That already changes you. Knowing what the emes is changes you, even if you're not always there emotionally. Knowing who you are, what your real values are, what the pnimius is. And then there's also applying it in a person's daily life. So here we had the three states. One state, the guf, commits itself to be subservient to the neshama. Where there's absolute oneness. But the oneness is in a state where the person still experience is not tension and not a dichotomy and not split but there is a reality of ruchnis and there is a reality of gashmias and then there's a third space complete spiritual health when you're completely healthy and that is you don't feel the goof as separate all you feel is the energy that flows and you don't even feel that because there's no self-conscious because you're so healthy and that's the place where 
there is complete oneness, and therefore the person doesn't even feel the gashmi of it, all they feel is that this is an inyan of elikus that's being expressed through this reality. Tess. We'll go a little bizrizus so that we could finish. We now come back that Yutas Kislev heaven gave permission for the Gilu of Pnimiyas Atayda. But it starts off with the person. Every Chiddush in Taita is a Chiddush in the person. This is the Chiddush of Yutas Kislev. In terms of Yafutza the way it's expressed in a person's life. And a person is a miniature world. So it always begins with the human being who's an Olam Kat. The words which are a pasuk in Mishle. But as we said, those were the words that Mashiach told the Baal Shem Tev, and they became the motto of Yutas Kislev, represents two things. It's not that the wellsprings affect the outer world. No, the wellsprings themselves reach the chutzah. It's not that they have a domino effect. They themselves, the Mayanas themselves, the wellsprings themselves reach the, out, the outer world. Number two, it's Yafutsu. Yafutsu means it's spread far and wide without any inhibitions to the point that there's no space that's devoid of the Mayanas. Because if there's a space where the wellsprings don't reach there, it means that it's not Yafutsu. It's not really spreading far and wide. Ultimately, there is a limit. What does this mean in a person's life? Every Jew has a Mayan, has an infinite wellspring of Ein Saif. Your Neshama, which it says was honed from below the throne of glory and even deeper. The Neshama is Tahirihi. What's Tahirihi? Tahirihi is higher than the Kisiyah Kavit. Kisiyah Kavit is Elam Habriya. Tahirihi is Elam Hatzilis. So this Neshama is the wellspring of a Jew. This is the source of your infinite joy and confidence and wholesomeness and alignment with Hashem. This is a wellspring that never stops, it never dries up, it's always flowing, like the Mishnah says, Perkyav is Mayan Hamizgaber, an ever-increasing wellspring, it's always there. This Mayan is Yafutzimah I have to be able to access it and allow it to gush forth and spread out in all of my life, including in every aspect of my practical, daily, physical, and emotional, and social, and psychological life, and financial life. That's Pshat Yafutzim, it doesn't begin with Torah. It begins with the change in the person, where my Neshama and my Guf experience unity. Where my, my, when your Mayan is so revealed, the Guf ultimately becomes one. When the Mayan is not so revealed, it's more hidden, then there could be a split in a person's life. When you really experience Ein Saif, that's what Yutas Kislev was, then, then there's no place that you can't reach, in yourself. As long as I don't touch my core essence, there's places I don't go to. When I touch my core essence, I'm not afraid of any place. Every part of me 
ultimately becomes subsumed in it. There's a scalalus. Because in the true Ein Saif, you don't have to run away from anything. You don't have to amputate anything. Like the Pasuk says in Tehillim. I go up to the heavens, you're there. I go into the abyss, you're also there. So what's your Futzah? That your Maya, your inner infinite wellspring, Find access to it. I have to find, you have to dig and dig and dig and find the Mayan. When you find the Mayan, let it flow. And when it flows, it will reach every single part of your Geshem. So there's no split anymore. Because when you experience the real Mayan, everything is part of oneness. Like Rabbi Yamin Kletzke writes, what's the Sachakal, what's the summation? Einoid Movadai. Ay, it's Chutzah. You say it's outside of the border of my Neshama. There's no outside of the border of your Neshama. When you get to the Mayanis, Every part is all nichlal. It's all an extension of the oneness of Hashem. Beis. In this relationship, where the soul, the mayon, becomes completely expressed in the guf and in all aspects of my guf, which is similar to Yafutsum and Esachachutsu in Torah, because Pnimiyas HaTorah is the soul of Torah, Nigla the Torah is the guf of Torah, as we explained Two shiurim ago. And Yutas Kislev is that the mayonis, the neshama, should come out in the goof of Torah. The pnimi is in the nigla. It starts with the person. That the neshama comes out weird in the goof. There's two aspects. Number one, the soul doesn't rule over the body only, but rather the soul itself is in the body. Like we said, the wellspring itself. It's not that the soul gives a commandment and the body says, okay, I'll listen. No, the body is infused with the neshama. The guf is one with the neshama. The neshama reaches into the guf. Not just l'shem shamayim, but b'chol drachecha de'ehum. That's point one in your futzimah The mayanas themselves, the neshama itself is inside the body. There's oneness. It's not just l'shem shamayim. There's no separateness. Number two, we said, your futzu. There's no space of the guf that's not filled with the neshama. What does this represent? This represents the deeper state of consciousness that we spoke just now, today. In Bechol Rechech the deeper level, that there's no space for anything outside of the achdos of Enoid Mulvada. Even the geshem, what is the real geshem? The real geshem is just a concrete manifestation of alakus. Melech ha'olam, baruch ha'tashem alakeinu melech ha'olam, bayre priyeitz, baruch ha'olam, shakam liya bedvare. The business is an is Enoid Mulvada. Zara Dagan, Zara Tzedakah. That's what it is. Yafutsu. There's no Nikuda that doesn't have the Mayanis, and therefore there's no Hergish outside of the Hergish, outside of the experience of Alakus. There's no self-consciousness outside of that. This is a state where the person can really... So when every morning when you wake up, you dive and you say, This is what we're talking about. You're going into your Mayan, and you want to take this Mayan... And make sure it fills the whole day. And every part of the day is filled with it. And every aspect of the day. My relationships, my conversations with my spouse, with my children, with my employees, with friends, with anybody, any interaction, any email, any WhatsApp, any text. All the interactions and the involvements of a person are defined by the, by the Mayan and the infusion of the Mayan, of the wellspring in, in, in my life. According to all this, we come now to the beginning, and we bring it full circle. The Magid's Torah, right before he passed away, you remember? Yaakov Malachim, Malachim, Mamish. So the Magid said, 
He sent only the mamish of the malachim, the substance, the external, the gashmis of the malachim. The pnimis malachim stayed by Yaakov. So they said, what does this mean? How do you split a malach? It means that even when they were by Esau, their core, their soul was still with Yaakov. They went on a shlichus to Esau, but they didn't get lost in the glitz of Esau. They were still by Yaakov. They were there by Esau. They had to do a shlichus, but their soul, their passion was by Yaakov. So he said, why was this the last Torah, that one of the last Torahs that the Magad told his students right before he passed away? This is his tzavah. In other words, this is his final will and testament of Avedis Hashem al Pichsidis. What is the Magad trying to say? We can now understand more the insight. More in, we can have more insight into the Torah of the Magid that he said before his Istalkus, and we can also understand why this was his tzavah for generations, and we can also understand the connection with the other element of Yutas Kislev, the Balhatanya and his Chagagul and Yofutzim and Esachichutz. Yididis haneshama lamata shebechdei levaridis gufe vechel kebeilam velasaisim didila yuzbarich. He dugmas ha'in devayishlach Yaakov malachim aleisav sheshlich hezu haisa bechdei levarid ha'kanal sefalav. Every one of us experiences the malachim being sent, the angels being sent. Because when the neshama comes down into this world, in order to sublimate the body, in order to sublimate the world, elevate your portion in the world, turn it into a dwelling place for Hashem Abes HaMikdash. This is Yaakov Avinu, the source of Neshama Yisrael, sending angels, spiritual angels to Esav, to hopefully create reconciliation and peace and elevate Esav, like we spoke in the beginning in Sif Aleph. Just like the mission of Yaakov to Esav needs malachim mamish, it needs angels and real angels who can elevate Esav and not get lost in the glitz of Esav. The same is true about every person's shlichus. When the soul comes down into the body and into the world to elevate it, to fix the energy of Esav, which is known as Olam HaToyu, the world of chaos, as we learned in many Maimarim of the Balatanya and Torah Eir and Lekut Torah. So you have to be able to find the Malach in you, the angel in you. There's no way you can change the world and change your inner world if you're not in touch with the Malach in you, the angel in you, which is your spirituality, your divinity, your transcendence. Then you can face adversity, you can face a world and bring in light into every situation. <laughs> and as he says in 45, footnote for God, the Gemara says in Chagiga that three things, in three things a person is like an angel, and three things a person is like a behemoth. Right? So this means there's the angel in the person. That's what I have to find. The malach in the person. It also says from every mitzvah, you create a malach. So a person has malachim. You have your angels. Every mitzvah you do creates a malach. That's the fact. And there's three things in you that are doimel a malach. Rabbi Meir Primishlana said malachim mamish. Right? <clears throat> malachim mamish. So he said mamish is malachim mimitzvah sha'asa. It's the malachim mamish. Malachim mimitzvah sha'asa. Or mitzvahs malach, malachim and mitzvahs shasa, the malachim that come from the mitzvah that you do. Every person has a malach. And he says in the second paragraph, The ruchnis of a person is deeper than malachim. 
The reason why we have three things in which we're like a behema, we go to the bathroom, we sleep, we reproduce, like a behema, it's because our ruchnias could transform these three things of a behema. That it should also become a malach. The malachim don't have that power, so they have to stay in heaven. The malach of a person could come down into this world and transform the behema. Like I said yesterday, even the grab behema is nishkin behema. You see, I was mechavan. Even the grab behema is nishkin behema. The malachim can't do this. They have to stay in heaven. So the malach in a person is much deeper than the malach in a malach. The malach in a malach is a malach. The malach in a person is a menschlich malach. The Kotzke said, va'anshe koydish tiyunli. Menschlich ahelikait. when a person go, does go into the world with a malach, it's very possible that what happens, you become split. And even though you try to elevate the world, you remain by kol masach l'shem shamayim. There's a dichotomy. There's ruchnis and there's gashmis. Even if the guf listens to the neshama, it's being ruled by the neshama. And therefore what happens? What happens is there's a dichotomy in a person's life. The body, the koiches of the neshama that are in the body and that are involved in and through the body in everything of the world because a body itself is a corpse. A body itself is like a, a lifeless rock. The body can exist because there's the soul inside the body. And the soul, therefore, becomes an identity. But its identity is from the neshama also. body itself is a corpse. It's the nefesh, the neshama, that gives it chius and gives it vitality. So it becomes a metzius unto itself. So therefore, the Magid was telling his students, let me tell you about life. Vayishlach Yaakov malachim mamash. You're, every one of you is a divine angel. Every one of you, malach means a shliach. Every one of you is an ambassador of the Rebbeinah Shlelem in this world. You're a divine angel. But I want you to know that Chassidus teaches, what I want to leave you is with Ein Eid Mulvadeh. Never, ever lose touch of your oneness. Never, ever lose touch of the absolute unity of every single aspect of your life with Hashem. Always in a state of dveikus. There's no dichotomy. There's no part of you that has to be amputated, rejected, dismissed. All of you and everything you come in contact with is an expression of Einoid Movada. So the Maggit says, when the angels go to Esau, which is every person, every person's angel is sent down into an Esau. Everybody has their Esau. Your toxicity, your struggles, your anxiety, your stress, your difficulties in relationships, your trauma, your abuse, your pain things that are not worked out in yourself, in the people around you, the world that you face. Everybody has an Esau that you have to face. So you have to know that the Malachim was sent to Esau. And which Malach? A Malach Mamash, a real Malach. A real Malach. Comes the Magad and says, but I want you to understand, remember that all your Koiches, your Neshama, that's involved in Esau and that was sent to Esau, 
It's the mamish that's by Esau. The essence of it always stayed by Yaakov. Never ever think that you're separate from Yaakov. Never ever think that your Gashmis and Chumri is separate from Hashem. It's all one big Beis Hamikdash. It's all one big Einoid Movader. Like he said earlier, the Malachim's soul remained by Yaakov even when they're by Yaakov. I, they're by Yaakov. Their Gashmis is by Yaakov. Their Mamash is by Yaakov because they have a Shlichus. But they're still by Yaakov. Because for them, being by Yaakov is just an expression and a way of bringing Yaakov close to Esav and bringing Esav close to Yaakov. So I'm not split. It's not like I left Yaakov and I went into Esav. No, you didn't go anywhere. Yaakov is still here. By Esav is Yaakov. What do you mean? Because I'm a Shlich of Yaakov. My whole purpose of being by Esav is just to reveal that Esav could be close to Yaakov. There's no separateness. My whole purpose of the Neshama coming into the world is just to reveal Einaid Mulvada in another place. The Achdos Hashem in yet another place. So therefore, the Guf, the Nefesh Bahamas, your Chalik in the world, everything, everything of your Gashmis and Chumris, which is the Mamash, the Mamash of the Malachim, yeah? it's completely, completely one with Yaakov, there's no separation. Ayur by Esav, the Maggit says, you're, the Mamish is by Esav. It's not like you really got lost by Esav. You're still completely connected. Your Pneumius is connected to Yaakov. In other words, who are you? You're a shtik elakus. Elakus now wants you to work through Esav. And that's the tzavah that the Maggit gives his students. That's the Nekud of Yafutzim HaNasechechutzim. So even the deepest state of the soul, the Mayan, which is beyond any Gashmius, comes out always. It shines through your life. Yafutzu. It's spread, it's expressed, even in chutzah, the furthest place, the Esau of your life, you're always in a relationship with the Nekudah HaPnimis. You never, ever step away from that. What does this mean? It means whenever I'm facing anything, yeah, you have to take a very deep breath and realize you're not lost. You're not detached. You're not separated. You're always one with infinity. Now you have a shlichus to bring infinity into this place. To bring Achtus Hashem, Einad Movada, into this place. The Muhus of the Malachim was always with Yaakov. They never left Yaakov. Either by Esav, of course, because our mission is to bring Yaakov and Esav together, so that's why we're by Esav. We're not by Esav, we're not lost by Esav, we're not overwhelmed by Esav, and that's the deepest state of Bechodra Chechadayu. There's no Guf separate, there's no Nefesh Abahama separate, there's no separateness. Even the salt and the food, it's all an Akuda of what? Of Avaidas Hashem, of Elikos. And he finishes off and he says, this is the last paragraph. This is also manifested in the literal words of Yafutsam and Asachutsa that the Balshemtiv wanted, and his Talmidim and the Magid and the Balatanya and their Talmidim wanted, that the Mayonis, the wellsprings of Pnimi Satir of Khsidis, should be spread in every single place. Now, 
וכיזוי העירה מתרס המגד בנגל לשלוחים כפשוטם. רק הגוף והממש שלהם יהיה עוסק בשליחס שבחוץ האסוף. אבל הרוחניס שלהם תשוער בהסקשרוסו למשלח יינקף. והיינו שיהיה קבוע מושרש בליבם גם בשעה ספוצה, אשר יסוכם בחוץ ומילוי שליחס המשלח מבלי יסערבוס שומיניאנס דודי. בדוגמס הגוף ממש שכל מציוסי ועניין היא רק הרוכניז והנשמה שבה. שאז הרי רוכניוסם היא אצל המשלח, וידוע תרס הבעל שם טוב, שבמקום שרצוני של אדם שם האדם נמצא. הפלא. This is, you'll have here, if these few paragraphs, you'll understand the whole, the whole מושג of how Yiddishkeit can be brought to every single נקודה of the world, and how people who are dedicated to this work, can go out to the furthest places, and not only they're not affected, but they transform the place. He says the system, the Rebbe has made a system, they sent emissaries, shluchim, to spread Yiddishkeit and to spread the mayonis of Chassidus to every place. Comes the Magid and says, Malochim mamish. Only the mamish you sent to Esav. What does this mean? A shliach can't remain locked up on the roof, learning Gemara all day, doing his own thing, then he's not fulfilling his shlichus. The shliach can't just be yoitz. He has to get involved, he says, with every strand of his soul. It's not a superficial thing. My whole neshama has to go into it. But he says, make sure that the place where you're in doesn't cause you to fall. You affect it. It doesn't affect you. How does that happen? How does that happen? If I have a relationship with you and a close relationship, there's a give and take. It doesn't make sense. Unless you tell them not to get involved, but then he can go back to the place where he came from. If you're going to Esav, Ayishlach, Yaakov, Malachim, you have to be there, and you have to be there with your full presence, not the Bezfashlofen, and not like, okay, I'll do something for a few hours there, and then I'll go back, I'll hide. That's not the way it, you really have to become integrated. So how do you become integrated in a place without being affected by the place? That's a big question. How does that happen? So this is what the Magid was telling the Alter Rebbe. And this is what the Magid was telling his students. It wasn't just a word. It was a hira for generations. It was a word for generations to define our relationship with our body, with our animal soul, with our environment, with people, and ultimately with the whole world. Chutzah. What's this word? The Magid says, you never ever lose sight of who you are. Who am I? I'm a shliach of Yaakov Avinu. I'm not by Esau. I'm not overwhelmed by Esau. I'm not enthralled by Esau. I'm not subservient to Esau. My role is to reveal Ein Oid Malvadi in the world. So I could be involved in the most mundane reality and dealing with people who are so remote, but at my core, I'm completely at peace. I'm completely one. I never left Yaakov Avinu. Maybe I'm thousands of miles geographically away, but my soul is by Yaakov. The mamish went to Esau. Yes, my body, my physical body is by Esau. I'm involved with Esau. But remember, my neshama, my pnimius is by Yaakov. And therefore, what does this mean? It means that even the body, the guf, is by Yaakov. Because the whole definition of the guf is what? It's not separate from the neshama. It's in order to bring the neshama into the guf. It's in order to bring Hashem into the guf. So therefore, why am I by Esav? Just to be able to bring Esav closer to Yaakov. So when a person is involved in chutzah, he knows this is a mission. I am an mission. I am an ambassador. So that his core is always connected to what, to a, the source. I'm anchored. I'm anchored in my essence. So therefore, whatever I'm involved in, I realize there's no agenda here that I need to take from you, I'm inferior to you, I have inferiority complex, it's not going to work, I'm apologetic. No. 
There's absolutely no other agenda outside from the fact that I have a mission to fulfill. If I have a mission to fulfill, so my whole soul was never left Yaakov. So even my involvement here is just another way, another conduit to bring in Yaakov. So not only does the world not affect me, I transform it. Not because I have an ego, because I am just a conduit for the shlichus of Yaakov. The guf recognizes that it's whole mitzis, the mamish, the mamish is the guf, the mamish. It's whole mitzis is the neshama. That's what it is. That's what it is. So therefore, when they're there by Esav, Esav is not a mitzis. Esav is an opportunity to be megala achtos Hashem. And the Baal Shem Tev says, wherever your thoughts are, that's where you are. So therefore, they never left Yaakov. So why should the world affect them? If you left Yaakov, the world can affect you. If you're still connected to the source, to the essence, you never left Yaakov. You're, you're completely unified. You're completely integrated. They tell a Gavaldika story I heard many years ago that there was a Yid who went into the Lubavitcher Rebbe and he told him that he feels that it's irresponsible that he sent Shluchim so far away. Remember in the earlier years, Yiddishkeit was so weak in America and everywhere in the world. Instead of building your own community, you send talented people with young men and women all over the world. It's so irresponsible. Even when the Iron Curtain came down, communism fell in 1989, 1990, and right away dozens and dozens of shluchim left, and there was in today, Baruch Hashem, Russia became an incredible place of, of Yiddishkeit. But, uh, but in the early years, everything was so, uh, there was an element of dejection and spiritual impoverishment everywhere, even places like Florida, places like California. Today, it's already a different matzav. But even today, you have a midbar shmama. How do you take responsibility? And he told the Rebbe, they're going to get cold. They're going to lose their passion. So the Rebbe told them, they go with so much fire that they will warm up their environment. They won't be cooled by their environment. So he was a klugeyid. So he tells the Rebbe, take a samavar with hot water and put it in an ice-cold bath. The water is going to remain hot for a while. But ultimately, ultimately, if the ice-cold bath stays ice-cold and more cold water is coming in, what's going to happen to the samavar? What's going to happen? After a while, yeah? Those of you who know how this works in chemistry, you know after a while, it, we strive for equilibrium. And ultimately, after a while the cold is going to overwhelm the heat. The Samavar is going to be, oh, it's going to take a while. So he said, your shluchim, it's going to take a while. But once they're there for a year, two years, three years, they're submerged in ice-cold water. They're dealing with ice-cold situations, spiritually speaking. They're all going to get cold. So you know what the Rebbe told them? Bamed and when is this? If they take the Samavar, you disconnect it from the plug, and you put it into the cold bath. It will be hot, it will stay hot, but after a while it can cool off, especially if there's new cold water coming in. But what happens if it never left the plug? If it's still plugged in? If it's still plugged in, nothing will affect it. That's what the Maggit said. The Malachim, they went to Esau. Yaakov didn't split them. The whole Malach went to Esau. Esau needs the Malach more than everybody else. There was no split. But the way they went to Esau was that they knew that they're essentially by Yaakov. They're connected to Yaakov. They're shluchim of Yaakov. The plug was always connected to Yaakov Avinu. This is who I am. So there was this state of inner peace and serenity and wholesomeness 
that you are Einoid Mulvada. You're a Shliach of Hashem, Shluchish Ladam Kamaisi. That's who you are. Are you by Esav? No, I'm by Yaakov. I'm bringing Yaakov into the world of Esav. Because of that, so what was there by Esav? Only the Guf was there by Esav. And what is the Guf? The Guf is just a way of bringing the Neshama into Esav. So they never really left. There, there was, was just a mission and a shlichus to reveal the oneness right here, right now. And he finishes. When you have this consciousness, this is what empowers you to fulfill the mission that the chutzah becomes mayonis, that there's no separation anymore. That Esau can get close, that the chutzah becomes transformed. This itself, because you never left. You brought the mayonis themselves and you revealed that the chutzah is the mayonis. There's no separation. So I look at a Jew, I look at a person, I see the pnimius. I don't get caught up in the chitzainius, because I don't get caught up in my own chitzainius. When I see my pnimius, I could see your pnimius. I don't allow any distractions. I see who you are. Who are you? You're a piece of God. Why should I get nispal from the chitzainius? I don't get nispal from the externalities. I don't get nispal from my externalities. So I see in every single place the divine potential, the divine unity without distractions. And this brings the ultimate culmination. We say in the morning that one day the, salv, the, the saviors will go up to the mountain of Tzion, to judge the mountain of Esav. Rashi says that's when Yaakov and Esav will come together. That the whole world and the pasuk continues. This is the haftoyda of Ayishlach Ayvadya, the haftoyda of Ayishlach Ayvadya pasuk chafalov. That the whole world is one place. The melucha of Hashem einoid malvada because the chutza and the mayonis become one. And this is also true, and it's so important to remember. It doesn't start only with the world. It starts with the ace of inside of me. There's the ace of in my own psyche. Everybody has an ace of that they have to deal with in their own psyche. What's that ace of? My anxiety, my stress, my depression, my trauma, my fears, my insecurities, my anger, my jealousy, my animosity, my hatred. And all of the challenges that I face in my body, in my brain, in my family life, in my financial life, my psychological life. Who's not facing an ace? The first thing you have to know is it's a shlichus. You were not thrown into the darkness. You were sent there. Very different. You weren't thrown anywhere. You were sent. And the Maggit says, remember when you were sent, you were given all the resources you need. You're an angel. You're divine. And your divinity came down, the Mayan came down into this place in order to be able to transform Esau. And never ever step away from that inner, infinite, wholesome core, which always is unscathed untarnished, unsoiled, not contaminated. Wherever you are, you're in a shlichus. Even your own trauma, your own stress, you wake up in the morning, this is going on, that's going on, my kids, my family, my wife, my husband, my job, this, yes, problems here, problems at school, problems, everybody in their own life. We don't have to get very graphic now, especially with the late hour. But whatever it is, you were sent there. You're not lost there, I was sent I was sent into that space. And what does it mean I was sent into that space? Not I was just sent, you know, dispatched and figure it out on your own. But who was sent? Your nekudah ha'atzmas, your elikus, which always remains in full glory and full power everywhere. 
He says, no, you never lose touch with that, that your whole stress and trauma and everything is just a conduit, it's an opportunity to be able to reveal the light over there. So never lose touch, and then you'll never get lost in the process. Never get entangled. You know what happens when you start talking to people and you get entangled, and they pull you into a place of darkness. You don't get pulled in anywhere, because you really remain connected to that space. That was the Magid's teaching that he presented to his students on the last Shabbos before his Estalkas, and he presented it to the Balatanya, and it was right before Yotas Kislev. He was giving out this Torah, this paradox. On one hand, we want to transform the whole world. We could transform the whole world, beginning with self-transformation. That's our job. On the other hand, we transform the world without getting lost in the process, without getting depressed in the process, without getting dirty and contaminated. How? For this, I have to be able to have the ability to live in the world of Achtos, to live in the world of Einoid Mulvade, to live in that world of oneness, in which ultimately everything is just another way of expressing a Lakus and another form of Avaidas Hashem, because there's no separation whatsoever. So, thank you for all the feedback here on the chat. I wish you all a beautiful Shabbos, a Freilichen Shabbos, a good Shabbos, a good Yom Tif. As they, as they wish by Chsidim on Yutas Kislev, Lashana Toiva, Belimud Hachsidis, Abedarki Hachsidis, Tikosevu Vesichasemu, should be a year in which the Eid of Torah and the Eid of Chsidis and the Eid of Avis Hashem and Avis Atoira and Avis Israel and Pnimius Atoira should infuse all of us with the Ein Saif, with the love and infinity of Emes and of Elokus, that we should be able to become real conduits for, for true health and ambassadors of love and light and hope and healing for ourselves, for our brains, for our souls, for our families, for our homes. Today, Vayishlach Yaakov Malachim begins in your own brain, and then it continues in your own house, around the kitchen table, and then it can go further and further and further, and then it can affect the whole world. And if you don't think it can affect the whole world, you can learn from the coronavirus. As I said the other day, a man came home from the marketplace in Wuhan in China, right, with a bat, and he sneezed, and a few months later, the whole world is on lockdown. So you see that a person within his own circle makes a change in the positive or the negative, and what they call the butterfly effect, right? The butterfly flaps the wings and there's a tornado on the other side of the world. You see that this is not just a metaphor, it's very real. So it's certainly true also in Toiv and Kedusha. So I wish you all a guten Shabbos, a a very, very special Shabbos, the Rebbe Rashab, called Yotas Kislev Reish Hashanah Lechsidus, which means it's a Rosh Hashanah in the sense that it's a day that's charged with tremendous koiches and tremendous love and tremendous light that is, exists just like Rosh Hashanah at the head of the year, a day in which I can really internalize and make very powerful commitments, convictions deep in my neshama to be able to live a life of oneness and love and healing and true pnimius of Torah, Avas Hashem, Avas Torah, Avas Yisrael. So I wish you all a Freilich and Shabbos, a Freilich and Yom Probably some of you I'll see on Shabbos, and maybe some of you will see Mitzay Shabbos. Either you'll see me, or I'll see you, or we'll both see each other. And may we experience the V'olam Eishim, V'hoisa, L'Hashem Hamlucha, B'mhei Rabbi Amenu. Amen. Aguten Shabbos, and Aguten Yom This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.